Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation. Welcome to the third episode of the Pulling Tarp Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Kuhn, and I'm excited to welcome on a very special guest. He's extremely involved in the entire Chicago sports world. Not only is he a reporter and anchor covering the Chicago Blackhawks and the White Sox for WGN Radio, he's a TV play-by-play broadcaster on ESPN3 for University of Illinois Chicago Athletics, a TV play-by-play broadcaster for Mediacom covering local high school sports in central Illinois. He's also the radio play-by-play broadcaster for the Kane County Cougars, single-A affiliate of the Arizona Diamondbacks in the Midwest League. Can't wait to get into this interview with Joe Brand when we come back from this break. All right, Joe. First off, congratulations on getting married. Thank you. Thank you. You're very welcome. That was that was just last month, right? Yeah, January 4th. It was uh it was pretty crazy, pretty hectic, but uh definitely the best day of our lives. Hardly anything went wrong at all and uh it sure was a memorable evening. Sure, sure. Sounds awesome. Did you already go on your honeymoon? We have not, no. Honeymoon is still TBD. Uh, clearly, my schedule is very complicated. She works at a school, so summer would work fantastic, but clearly it's a little difficult for me to get away during the summer. So uh, still still TBD, still in the works. All right, all right, fair enough. Um, does your wife know what she's getting into with the long hours and the traveling? And also, you're an extremely busy person even in the off season so um just kind of tell me what she's getting into and uh, yeah well she does know um we've actually been dating for over 12 years now so wow yeah, it was a, it was a high school thing uh we went to different colleges but only 45 minutes away she went to u of i i went to illinois state um so she pretty much knew right away this is what i wanted to get into once i got into it she kind of realized how much sacrifice there would be to us spending time with each other. But for me, I can only consider how lucky I am to be in Chicago doing all of this. I mean, I've only spent about three months outside of Illinois when I was uh, right out of college working at a minor league baseball team, the Traverse City Beach Bums. I was there for three months. I came back, I got an internship at WGN and kind of worked my way up there. So I've been very, very lucky to have all these opportunities at home. Um, I'm, I'm living in the city with her right now. We've been here for about three years. So that's been awesome too. That's part of my life and my world. I thought I never would have been able to do going into this profession, but I've been able to make it work. We've been able to make it work. And I should have to say, she's very, very patient and very, very accepting of my lifestyle. So, uh, she, she's owed a, uh, a big reason of why we're still together in that regard. Too. <laughs> that's, that's great. Um, yeah, not everybody gets that same opportunity. Um, you know, people that work in minor league baseball and sports in general end up moving around a lot. 
Um, God knows I did. And yeah, that's extremely lucky to get all these opportunities so close to home for you. Yeah, well, I mean, heck, we met in the Midwest League, and there are not too many broadcasters in that league that are from the Midwest. I mean, you've got guys from New York and California and Florida, and they cast me, so where are you from? And I'm like, oh, here. And at first they think the town of where the Kane County Cougars are, Geneva, and I'm like, well, no, I'm actually about 45 minutes away from here, and then I moved to the city, so I'm, you know, being able to keep all these connections with all these jobs I've worked at, again, very lucky, um, I think it's kind of natural for everyone in this industry to get a little restless right, where right. you're at and where you think you should be. I still get that, but anytime that happens, I just try to give myself a little reality check that a lot of people at this stage aren't in a major market, especially where they live. So I, I try to uh, let that keep me humble and realize I'm, I'm in a pretty fortunate spot right now. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so radio broadcasters are a little bit different compared to most minor league baseball employees. Um, explain your role with the Cougars and how that allows you to branch out with other broadcasting opportunities in the Chicago area in the off season. So I'm heading into my seventh year with Kane County, and every season has been part time. Some okay. minor league teams do it full time, where you're selling in the off season and have other roles throughout the summer. Some do it the way we do it. Uh, it's just kind of the way it happened when I got into it. There was a, a brief moment where I thought I was going to start selling, and it just didn't really happen. A few other responsibilities picked up at, at some of my other companies, so I, I just figured to, to go all in with the broadcasting side of things, and so far it's worked out well. Um, it does give me the flexibility to basically just do whatever I want in the off season. Yeah. and now luckily I'm at a stage where I don't need to do too many other side jobs that aren't revolving around broadcasting. So that's been kind of nice to just totally all my eggs in the broadcasting basket. I'm doing play-by-play. I'm doing reporting, uh, anchoring, doing a lot of sidelines. So it's it's cool to, to branch out that way and see the different aspects of the industry. And again, it, it goes back to me being lucky to be in Kane County, uh, live at home during the summer and... I owe a lot to my bosses at Kane County, too, for letting me, allowing me to do that. Because just this past year, uh, with WGN having the White Sox as their flagship yeah. broadcast team, I was able to get a couple opportunities of doing pre- and post-games. And, you know, at Kane County was willing to let it let that work. And luckily, wow. there were a lot of times where the Sox had a, a day game and Kane County had a night game or vice versa. And it was, you know, I was shipping back and forth from Geneva to the city, but... Heck, it was fun, and it's again, it's what I want to do. So I, I again, very fortunate. A lot of people um, understand what I want to do, and I think that's right. important too to, to make sure that communication is there with your bosses. And not, I get it. Not everyone's going to be as lucky to have those type of opportunities. So that's just why I'm trying to take advantage of it as much as I can. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so when we met, the Cougars were a Chicago Cubs affiliate. And then they uh, transitioned into an Arizona Diamondbacks affiliate. Has that affected the fan base at all? Do do they even care? No. I mean, it, the black and white answer is no. Okay. Um, there was 
you know, a little speculation when the Cubs left that we were going to take a hit, but I really have not seen it. Really? It's funny, just this past year, I, I finally think I've realized where this whole baseball fan base comes from. And, and the Kane County Cougars play in Geneva. It's right next to St. Charles, right next to Aurora. Naperville is close mm -hmm. by. It's all these western suburbs. Sure. But when I come in, I come off the highway, and I drive for about three or four miles, and I see nothing but strip malls and cornfields and open land. So when I first started coming there, I was like, oh, okay, this place is kind of in the middle of nowhere. Right. And then once the weather picked up and we start hitting the weekends, place was filling up with nine, ten, eleven thousand people. And I'm like, where the heck are these guys coming from? Right. I have no idea. But what it is is there's all these neighborhoods, all these suburbs, and they've actually got a great high school football following. Okay. And I just feel like that's all those fan bases, all those families coming together in the summer to get that sports aspect, to scratch that itch of baseball without having to travel all the way to the city. And I mean Hats off to the Cougars for taking advantage of that too, because you know they've developed a fan base for now. We're celebrating our 30th year, and it's it's always an event. I mean, I, I get a lot of minor league teams are doing it, but but the fireworks, the uh, in between inning promotions and games, and any theme nights we have. I mean, a lot of thought, and a lot of process goes into it, and there's a lot of hardworking people out there that make those things happen. We're lucky to have such a great fan base, but. It, you know, you got to give credit to the Kane County front office for captivating it and holding on to it and continuing it for so many years. Right. So it really has not played that much of a factor, at least that I've seen. Okay. There's definitely some cool perks you miss out on. I mean, you get to promote the Cubs when you're a Cubs affiliate. Right. Uh, you, you get to talk about what the major league team is doing during the broadcast. Mm -hmm. That was one thing I, I found a lot of value in because it was sure. like at the beginning of the Cubs rebuild. And, um, so a lot of people were tuned in you at that point too, but but in the long run, attendance is still very very good. Um, just overall support is very very good, and it's it's just a great place to work. I'm I'm very fortunate to be there for the past six years. Cool, cool. Um, there's also a lot of baseball opportunities, I guess, in the Chicago suburbs with. Um, independent league teams. Do you think the Cougars have an edge because they're the only minor league affiliated team in that area? I do. So I've I, I even said it on the air a lot. There are two major league teams in Illinois. Mm -hmm. There are two affiliated minor league teams in Illinois. That's the Kane County Cougars and the Peoria Chiefs. And now, because there's been some moving around, but there are about five professional non-affiliated minor league teams mm -hmm. and funny i worked for two of them when i was coming up in the ranks uh my first gig in baseball was with the normal corn belters from the frontier oh, yeah. league granted they're in uh summer collegiate ball now and, yeah um talk about being able to work in this depression and being close to home my first job out of college was for the windy city thunderbolts no joke they were 10 minutes away from my parents house wow so it was, yeah, it was pretty unbelievable. When, um, when I was an intern for the Williamsport Crosscutters, I, the ballpark was two minutes away from my parents' house. Um, and that's like if I caught a red light. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty amazing. Um, it, you know, it's one of those things where nowadays you come home, maybe you're trying to cut 
the butt end of a party and it's already 11:30 and like yeah no I'm probably not gonna stop by but back then it was like I'd be on my way home texting my friends where are you guys at you know? right right you're right out of college so you're in that mode but uh, again just just very fortunate um, what what was the question oh oh yeah uh, the Cougars getting an advantage I do think so and what's funny is when the Cougars came to be in 1991. The Cubs and White Sox actually were were helping out the Cougars in terms of setting up their ballpark, figuring out oh. their ticket plans. You know, they were they were very accommodating, even to the point where one time during spring training, I met Tom Brenneman, and he had been calling Cubs games at that time. And I said, "Hey, I'm with Kane County Cougars," and he's like, "Do they are they still drawing big crowds?" And I'm like, "How the heck? Number one, do you know the Kane County Cougars? <laughs> number two, of, of their fan base." But, yeah, so, again, it goes into the following. It goes into that area um, because I know if, if Schaumburg or Joliet has had the opportunity to expand to an affiliated role because they have very good facilities, mm-hmm. I don't know if it would be able to, to happen because they're so close in proximity to the Cougars. So, yes, it, it definitely helps. Um, you mentioned how my first year was with the Cougars. I mean, we've had Kyle Schwarber bobblehead giveaway days. Yep. We've had Albert Almora, Wills Contreras. So, we're able to do all those things because we had those players because they were an affiliated ball. And, I mean, it's not going to be too far along that we'll have an Alec Thomas bobblehead giveaway. Right. That's that's a really cool story because he's a Chicago native. His dad is the strength conditioning coach for the White Sox, and he was on our team. So his dad was able to come to a lot of games, you know, just a lot of unique circumstances. Um, so it definitely helps. But, again, it, it a whole lot goes into it, a lot of hard work from our front office and uh, a lot of – a lot of unique thinking and, um, and like I said, just a lot of passion. Right, right. I th- I thought it was also so weird that um, I mean that's just how it works the way it's aligned. But the Midwest League, half the teams didn't have affiliates that were anywhere near them. So when I was in Beloit, they had just switched to an Oakland Athletics affiliate, and they were spoiled from having the Brewers and the Twins beforehand. And fans were always saying, you know, oh, I wish we had a local affiliate around, you know, that would draw more people. I don't know if it would or not. I mean, Beloit is what it is right now. They might be getting a new ballpark here within the next year or so, but... Yeah, it's it's tricky. Um that's what a lot of people were saying about with Kane County and the Cubs, how, mm-hmm. how great of a partnership it was, how close the two teams and facilities were, and how they could see it never-ending. And granted, it only lasted two years. Yep. Uh, I mean, South Bend isn't that far away from Chicago, so that's able to uh, to put a pretty happy marriage right there. But, sure. you know, they, they go a little bit deeper, and that's, that's expanding your brand when you go to South Bend and change your name to the South Bend Cubs. And, mm-hmm. Um, they they are doing a lot of good things over there, but that's what makes minor league. What that's what makes minor league baseball so great is you're always in competition. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's interesting. I mean, Dayton and Cincinnati have a pretty good thing going yeah. on. Obviously, uh, the Brewers have found a great spot in Appleton with the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers. Right. You know, what else is a good spot is the Cedar Rapids Colonels and the Minnesota Twins. Yeah, I mean, there's a little proximity there. Um, I believe one of the Mowers, I know Jake Mauer used to manage there, but yeah. I, I want to say one of the Mowers owns a car dealership there. Um, I, I could be wrong. Don't quote me on that. But but there is uh, that just that companionship between both the Minnesota fan base and the Cedar Rapids area. And sometimes that just comes to be with 
being in a place for so long. I mean, I, I, there are still some people that think we're a my or we're a Marlins affiliate, but it was just one of our first ones because we had yeah. Adrian Gonzalez and Miguel Cabrera and Edgar Renteria. So, you know, people just remember it. But the thing I go back to is, yeah, some fans were telling you that in Beloit. They're still at the game. Yeah, they're absolutely. Yeah. It's through an email. I mean, they're there. They're still supporting the team. So right. When it comes down to it, I, I really think it's just nickels and dimes. Yeah, yeah. Um, the last interview I did was with my buddy Timmy Hines. He's the uh, director of facility operations for the Greenville Drive, and they're affiliated with the Red Sox. And, th- you know, they model their entire stadium after the Red Sox stadium, and, like, everybody just shows up in their Red Sox gear. And I'm like, really? In South Carolina? But, I mean, obviously the Red Sox have that following nationwide that's true and a lot of i mean a lot of teams are now going to the route of owning their minor league affiliates so Mm -hmm. they have complete control on what the ballpark looks like and what the facilities look like so i mean that that can't happen that's gonna happen and heck if if the cubs stayed in a spot because the cubs have been in a lot of midwest league teams they've been in peoria a lot of people forget they were in lansing yeah Uh, they were in they were in tang county and, and now they're in south bend so i'm sure if if they even stuck somewhere in Iowa or in Michigan, you're still going to get a huge Cubs following. Sure, sure. Um, what's your favorite place to travel to in the Midwest League and why? It's funny. People ask me these questions a lot, and it's tough because there's so many factors that go into it. I, I love certain broadcast booths. Mm-hmm. I love certain ballparks. I love certain hotels, and I love certain towns. Um when it comes down to it all, I think, I think what the town provides after the game is the biggest factor for me. Mm-hmm. We're on the road so much. I mean, when the game's over, you want a good place to eat, and if you happen to know some people, you want to go grab a drink or something along sure. those lines. So I've come to love Quad Cities. All right. Because once they change the hotel from the outskirts of that area to right in the middle of downtown, the opportunities are endless. There's so many late-night food options. There's plenty of great bars. I mean, it's just such a great place to walk home from the ballpark, go to the hotel, and just enjoy your night. Um, so in the West Division, I'd have to go with that. And with the East, it's tough because I don't know if you're going to get any of the East Division broadcasters, but, God, they are spoiled. Um, they've got beautiful ballparks <laughs> yeah. left and right. They've got beautiful facilities. Um, Fort Wayne is my favorite minor league ball tar- ballpark that I've been to. Okay. Um, Great Lakes is a fantastic broadcast booth, but heck, almost every one of the broadcast booths in the East Division are great. Mm-hmm. Uh, West Michigan has great food. Uh, Lansing is a great environment. That reminds me a lot of Quad Cities. You walk from the hotel to the ballpark, there's plenty of things to do. So it's tough. I, I, again, I, I go with... Uh, Quad Cities. And here's another thing. A lot of people sleep on Burlington. Burlington is a fantastic place in my eyes. Well, the casino's right there, right? You've got a casino. You've got a late-night bar. Uh, late-night food. Again, it's late-night food. I'm not, I hope I don't come off as an alcoholic that I no. need to drink every time. But one isn't bad when you can order a pizza or a burger on your way back to the hotel room. So that's why I love going to Burlington. And I, I will always say Burlington is the sleeper in the Midwest. League. All right. And... To do a 180, what's your least favorite place to travel to and why? And if you say Beloit, I won't be upset. 
Yeah, well, it's a little ironic that you're the one bringing this up. <laughs> um, I, I, don't, I mean, you know, ballparks and, and places have their have their challenges, and I get the challenges that Beloit has. But here's the thing: if this new ballpark comes to be, I'll be thrilled because yeah. it's it's a commuter for us. I mean, I don't want Beloit to go away. I, right. I want the people of Beloit to have uh, a fine establishment for to watch minor league baseball, and I hope it comes to be. Um, and that's another thing we luck out with in Kane County is, I, I think, and I will go to the grave with this, I think the Kane County Cougars have the best travel schedule in all of minor league baseball, yeah. if not in all of sports. Because we're here and everything is around us. Everything mm-hmm. is around, like, Kane County is so centrally located. Because the furthest trip in our division is Wisconsin or Cedar Rapids, three and a half hours of a bus trip. It's not bad at all. That's our furthest, yeah. And then so Beloit, yeah, clearly the hotel accommodations aren't the greatest, but it's a commuter for us. Mm-hmm. So I have the luxury of driving up to Beloit, doing the game, and then driving home. Yeah. So I, I don't have as much despise for Beloit as other people do. Um, but again, I, I will be thrilled for them if they get the whole new ballpark renovation because it's, uh, it's a long time coming. Right. I mean, certainly... I wanted to get out of there after a certain point. Um, I mean, I'm from the East Coast in general, um, but I am extremely excited for the community of Beloit if if the new ballpark goes through. Um, I mean, God knows I put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into that one that they have right now. Um, it's not much, but that's what I called home every day. So I think you you were gone by this point, but it's it's funny because of the name of your podcast. So one day we were there, and the rain started coming down, and obviously both teams go into the dugout, then into the clubhouse, which is not attached to the dugouts, mm-hmm. and the rain's coming down hard, really hard, and it's pouring, and I'm like, okay, you know, it, it, this is going to last any longer. We're not going to be playing, right? And Beloit is so scarce on front office members that they were getting everyone they could to pull tarp. They did not have enough manpower to pull the tarp. And there was so much water already down in the tarp, third base was just exposed. So it's it's just getting doused on. I felt so bad for these people. Now, granted, could I have gone down and helped? Yes, I could have. But by the time I looked up and saw this happening... It was already... You were in the middle of a broadcast. It's fine. Well, that too. I mean, yeah, I I always say I'm never... You know, I'm just a broadcaster. I'm not too good to help pull tarp, even for the visiting side. But I I had no change of clothes. I was driving home. Whatever. Mm -hmm. If you want to say these are terrible excuses, I don't care. (laughs) But but yeah, so third base is just getting doused. It's turning into a pool. And I I go down to the clubhouse, and they're like, hey, how's it looking out there? Are we going to start soon? I go, guys, there is no way we are playing this game today. And they're like, why? The rain's letting up. I go... Go out there and look at third base. Like, oh my god! And that's just kind of minor league baseball in a nutshell. Yeah, I mean, on my last year in Beloit, on the regular, we pulled tarp with four people, just because we had that's just because we had such a small front office staff. That's that's difficult to do when it's dry. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know if you were ever there for when. Like so, I served as the public address announcer in Beloit, and I did the music at the same time and managed the little press box that we had. Um, and then, but then when it started to rain, 
I had to sprint down to the field and help pull the tarp on, which should I have? Yes, given given the amount of people, but did I really want to? Absolutely not. Well, no one wants to pull tarp. Right. No one lists pulling tarp as one of their hobbies on Facebook. That's true. Hopefully, That's... for your sake, I hope they put pulling tarp podcast as a, a like on their Facebook, but... Thank no you, Joe. Doing the, the action of it. Thank you, Joe. I appreciate that. Um, so, all right. We'll be right back uh, with Joe Brand after this break. Uh, How difficult is it to talk to yourself for three hours almost every night? Now, I've met a lot of radio broadcasters in my day, and its I'm not going to shock you by saying that there are some broadcasters that are strange rangers, if you will. Um, it takes a cert—it takes a different person to talk to each other for. Talk to themselves for three hours every night. Um, how difficult is that? And I will say that you're one of the more normal broadcasters, Joe. Um, and I'm sure the difficulty of talking to yourself depends on how the game is going, right? Absolutely. Um, thank you for calling me normal. Uh, you're welcome. That. But um, I, I also think that you got to have a few screws loose to, number one, do this job, and number two, just be in this profession because it, it drives a lot of people nuts, and a lot of people are nuts before they get into it already. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think the way you it is you know, don't think of it as you're talking to yourself. Think of it as you're talking to 500 people or you're talking to one person. A lot of people get that advice coming up through college. You know, Try to, try to make the broadcast seem like you're just talking to one person. I, I get that, but in a sense, I, I like the idea of thinking I'm talking to a, a large group of people. Even sure. Nobody's tuned in that day, or there's you know 40 people tuned in that day. That, that's just the way I like to approach it. Um, it's It all comes down to how much work you're putting into it. And this job is so easy to feel like you're working hard when you're just showing up. Mm. And unfortunately, I've just kind of realized that the past couple of years that, I mean, heck, we work our game. The season is 140 games in 152 days. So when you're at the ballpark from 11 a.m. to 11 at night, and sometimes for a lot of people's cases it's even more, it's easy to think, I'm working hard, I'm doing what I need to do to make this broadcast great. Right. But I, I... I just realized that there's always still more work to be done. You mm-hmm. always talk to another coach or another player, make small talk with somebody. You can talk to an usher and, you know, just get something to bring to the broadcast every day. And you can do a little bit more research on the other team or better yet, talk to the opposing manager or the opposing coach. And I just felt that that's the best way to make it, not seem like a dreadful three hours sure. talking to yourself. And, and the other luxury we have is we have a game to rely on. Right. That's that's why I like play-by-play more than talk show. 
Um, because you Absolutely. don't need an opinion. You can have one, but you don't need it. Mm-hmm. If you don't know what to say, you can just talk about what's going on in the game. Just find a different way to describe it. Um, so that's why I enjoy it, and that's why I enjoy the challenge of it. But now I just, I just try to dig as deep as I can with each individual player. Um, because once you start finding more information about these guys and find more stories to talk to, you'll find that it's easier to connect stories and intertwine them. And if you're lucky enough to have a partner, create a conversation mm-hmm. in that way. Um, and, I mean, there's other little tricks, too. Tweet. You know, go out on Twitter. Hey, who wants to talk about something like this? What do you think about this? And then right. have some interaction. I mean, we've got that technological advancement now, uh, which is a little bit different than what Houston's doing. Um, and so it's... <laughs> Yeah, joke aside. Um, you know, it's, it just use everything you have to your ability. Talk to people. Um, just be an open book and, and just listen because then you have the opportunity to share that story with everyone else. All right. All right. Um, you, especially as the broadcaster, see a different side of these players than most employees of the team do because you travel with them. Are there any funny stories that you can share with us from the road? Uh, I guess I gotta think a little bit, but I think that's what's cool about it is you you deal with them on a daily basis on the road, so you're on the bus with them, and you're in the hotel lobby with them, Mm -hmm. sometimes you're at the same breakfast shop as them, so I, I mean, it just, it happens, you interact with them, and that's the thing, you get to see their personality a little bit more, uh, let's see, do you remember, oh, God, what was his name? Oh, of course. Do you remember Chuck Taylor at all? Yeah, yeah. that name? Mm-hmm. He, he was one of our outfielders, and I, I saw some other broadcaster do this thing for Father's Day, uh, you know, write a, put a list down, have the players sign their dad's name, sign a little note if they wanted to, if they wanted me to give them a read on the radio. So I did that for Father's Day. I did that for Mother's Day. Okay. And then later on down the season... Chuck Taylor comes up. He goes, "Hey Joe, can you uh, can you give my mom a shout out on the year today?" And I go, "Yeah, sure, no problem." Chuck, what's her name? And he looked at me, kind of confused. He goes, "Mrs. Taylor." <laughs> I was like, "Oh yeah, All right, sorry, Chuck. Okay, of course." Like the whole team cracked up about it. So I, that's something I'll always think about. Um, I'm trying to think of some other ones. Uh, I mean, just every once in a while, you walk into the clubhouse and players are dancing on the tables, and like, okay, well, that's that's one of the more uh, enjoyable ones. Um, okay, here's another story, and this, this is more of the manager. So we were in Clinton, and uh, our manager got suspended, so he was watching the game for the bleachers. Mm-hmm. And I'm in that tiny booth in Clinton, and the video guy is right next to me because I, I let him sit up there. And uh, I have my microphone wedged in the sliding window. Right, right. Any tape, it's just basically, I held it up there and then slammed the window shut as hard as I could. But, okay, the window opens horizontally. It's not vertically, Mm -hmm. you know, so it slides. Right. So it's just held up in the top corner of of the window uh, frame. And this play happens where, let's see, yeah, we're on defense Guy hits a chop for his shortstop. It hits a pebble or whatever, and it juts right through our shortstop's legs. And as you know, a lot of times we had the luxury of also being the official scorer. Uh, at the time, Clinton, their broadcaster, was the official scorer too. They give him an error. I mean, the, the dude is set up, ready to go. 
He's got his glove near his waist, and the ball just takes a terrible hop right through his leg. Yeah. Um, so our manager walks up the bleachers, goes to my booth, opens the window, and then the microphone, if I can do a little audio, does that, basically. <laughs> microphone drops down, and he goes, that ball hit the up and lit. That ball hit the up and lit. And I'm, like, waving my arms in the air. I'm pour- turning down the, <laughs> the crowd mic knob. And my video guy is just cracking up, trying to mouth to him. He's on the air. He's on the air. He's like, my manager goes, oh, okay. And he, like, walks away mid-inning. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it, Skip. I'm sorry. I can't do anything about it right now. Right. I'll talk to them when the game's over. Like, but, yeah, just for future reference, that's my microphone, and uh, that's going over the air. Um, so that's, again, welcome to minor league baseball. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh. um, I've always wondered what the dynamic is between the American players and the Latin players. Now, I've seen it in the home clubhouse, but um, is there? do they bond together or hang out together on the road at all? They do, but, I mean, there's definitely cliques. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, yeah, I mean, it's typically the Latin players hanging out with each other and then the American players. I mean, I mean it just happens. But, yeah. Um, You'll you'll see those groups meshing every once in a while. I mean, a lot of the times it's they're not old enough to go to the bars. So right. I don't know what they do after the games. Um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of t- the, the other thing is a lot of times you're almost always due for one Latin player that is very personable. And sure. Go out of his way to talk to everybody mm-hmm. and and try out his English and then you've got the very shy Latin players too um, but that's another thing I've tried to do more of is, is get more interviews with the players that don't speak Spanish by using an interpreter sure. because you get more information because we, we know how hard it is to find information on those guys I mean, absolutely you, a lot of times you just get the year they were signed where they were, were born and that's about it so yeah. you try to dig some more information out of them by, by doing some interviews with them but um but yeah, I mean, like anything, there's their clicks. Um, but when it comes time to BP and being being on the field, that's that's when you mesh together. So I think I think that's a good way. That, that's one of the good things about baseball is you spend so much time on the field with each other. You, you mm-hmm. kind of have to spend time with everybody. You get the opportunity to, you know, veer off and, and hang out with the group that you want to when the game's over. Right, and there's usually always at least one player that is. Uh, bilingual and oh, yeah. they're kind of the bridge between the American players and the Latin players um, so I, I totally get what you're saying though um, who's been your a lot of times, yep. I mean, the, those interpreters are Spanish speaking first right. a lot of times they will be in the group of, of the other Latin players absolutely, absolutely. Um, who's been your favorite player to cover on the Cougars yeah, you prefaced me with this question before, um, and I have been asked it a, a lot of times too. It's it's tough. Um, I, I do have a soft spot in my heart for my first year when we were with the Cubs affiliate, and that team had no flaws. We won the championship, right. swept through the playoffs. Um, yeah, I mean, I was on cloud nine. It, it was amazing. Uh, Kyle Schwarber was on that team. He yeah. sat in the row behind me on the bus. Uh I keep forgetting if it was Beloit or Clinton where he just clobbered two home runs. Oh, it was definitely Beloit. I remember that. Okay, okay there we go. Yeah, I mean, 
his lefty stance. He had all this raw power, and I mean, he hit one home run that was just you know obliterated, and then the next home run he hit, I couldn't see it. I, I could yep. not see where the ball landed. Um, that's just what I remember from him. Also, he hit he hit the furthest ball I have seen hit at Kane County at Kane County's ballpark. The dead center cleared the batter's eye. I mean, the center fielder gave up on it, and that's that's four hundred feet out. Um, so yeah, I mean that was my first year. I really enjoyed a guy by the name of name of John Duplantier, who's uh, had his call up to the big leagues last year. He was just a very inquisitive guy. So much talent. I think he didn't give up an earned run until his first twenty five innings wow. in twenty seventeen for the Cougars. Um, just such a smart guy and such a, a cool guy to pick his brain. And, and I, I've got another soft spot in my heart for Alec Thomas this past year. Okay, he's a He's a South Side kid. He went. He went to the rival high school, or one of the rival high schools in my high school. So it was just cool to talk to him about the South Side aspect. And yeah. In Chicago, um, even though he he grew up even more in the city than I did. Yeah. Um, but another kid with unworldly talent. Um, Eighteen years old and just tearing up our league, and then goes on to win the league MVP and gets the call up to Advanced Day and. You know, just all his connections with the White Sox. It, it was very cool. It's something I'll never forget. Sure, sure. Um, I definitely remember Kyle Schwarber hitting two bombs over our scoreboard. Um, I hated to see it at that moment, but now I realize, like, wow, I was definitely seeing something great there. And then I also remember a guy named Rock Shoulders. So that was the year before I got there, but yeah, 2013. Rock okay. Shoulders. I think he won or was one of the finalists of a minor league contest of best name in the minors. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, he was he was with the Dan Vogelbach, Elton yeah. Mora, Wilson Contreras team. Where it was so weird because that team had so many prospects mm-hmm. and they didn't do that well. And then the next year, really, the only prospect we had was Kyle Schwarber. I mean, a few other names. Well, actually, funny enough, David Bodie was on that team. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and, but they they went on to win the championship, but it wasn't because of their crazy talent of one player. It was just somebody stepping up every day. I mean, there was a different game right. every night. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, when So in 2014, on I believe Beloit was playing King County, I drove down to King County with some of my buddies that also worked for the Snappers. I believe it was probably 2014, and... There was a pregame video on the video board where Ice T, the rapper slash actor, was trying to get the crowd hype. Can you give me some insight on that? Because at the time I was like, "Wow, that's so random," but yet it's so cool. Um, how did that come to be? And you know, why was it Ice T? And like. How does that even happen, I guess? I wish I had an answer for you. I don't know. I remember that video. I'm pretty sure they got it in 2013. Um, Boy, I wish we had it to just replay every once in a while. But you're right, it was random. It was awesome. The one cool thing we did, though, was in 2014, because we clinched the first half for the playoffs, um, our catcher, who another guy with a great personality, I think he's a coach in the Cubs system now, Ben Carhart, because, okay, if I remember correctly, the video was, Cougar fans, this is iced tea, and it's way too quiet in here. And yes. He said, maybe says, get on your feet or something like that after that. So our catcher says, 
they, they basically shoot the video just like they did the Ice-T one, and it's just, Cougar fans, this is Ben Carhart, and it's way too quiet in here. So that was pretty funny. Uh, and, and they tied in some, uh, and by the way, ticket playoff ticket sales are at the box office or something like right. that. Right. So. Yeah, I wish I had more more of an answer for you, but I don't. It, it so, was really cool. <laughs> so you don't know if Ice T had some connection to the Cougars? I, I'm sure. I, I I don't even know. I don't. I have no idea. I really don't. I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, like I said, when I saw it, I was like, "Wow, that's so cool!" And then I was like, "But also, really random." But, but you know what? That's that's a good idea for anyone who works in minor league baseball listening right now. I mean, if you see anyone even semi-famous, try to do something to incorporate your team. You know, try to make something unique out of it because that's totally worth it. Right, right. I know when I was with the um, with the Shorebirds, I looked into like cameo appearances. Have you seen that website where oh, you can? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I but like apparently you can't do it for like businesses or something like that. But I definitely looked into it. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, so you're definitely involved in the entire Chicago sports spectrum. How did how did you get involved in so many broadcasting opportunities in the Chicago area? Just constantly reaching out to people okay. and always making myself available. Okay. That's when it comes down to it. I mean, if if we're looking at the the chronological path, um, I graduated college. I knew I wanted to do baseball. I had an in with the Frontier League because I had interned there two years ago. Right. So I got the internship I wanted to very badly in Windy City. Again, ten minutes away from my parents' house. Mm-hmm. That year, the other team up in Michigan, their broadcaster was leaving, so they needed to fill the role in a pinch. They liked my work. They asked if I could finish the year. I did so. While I was there, there was an opportunity. Someone I knew was working at WGN. They were looking for an intern come the fall. I was available. I got the internship. I made it known to the sports director that I wanted to eventually intern there. I got the sports internship while I was interning at WGN. I was producing shows, so that way I was getting paid. Okay. Much, but I was getting paid. Right. On the payroll, uh, also with my head in the sports department, basically on a daily basis. While all that's happening... I was working for a company called High School Cube. I was doing games for them. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was lucky enough to get involved with UIC. I was doing their women's basketball games. And then every year, I would just kind of reach out to another company and say, hey, number one, if you've got some room for me, great. If you don't, number two, please keep me in mind. And number three, if you've got time, just give me some feedback on how how you think I should improve. Okay. More importantly, here I am. You know, it's you just always want to be in people's minds when they have an opening, and that's actually where I found a lot of my work. Um, the company I work for now, Comcast CN100, we do all these local high school games, but it's a great production. It's like a mm. 20, 25 man crew. We've got wow. graphics, we've got replay, we've got stats, and wow. it's just so thorough, and it's so much fun to do. Um, that I, I just can't say no to these games. And I mean, I can't say no because the experience is way too way too valuable for me to just pass off on it mm-hmm. to have my Friday off. I don't, I don't care anymore. Right. I just want to get better. 
Um, I want to be more available. And the other thing is, working for that company, they asked if I could do sideline. I wasn't too much of a fan of doing that, but I yeah. just kind of bit the bullet and wanted to, to help out the company. And now I love doing sideline. And now they ask me to do it kind of a lot. And yeah. I found other opportunities because they saw me doing sideline for Comcast CN100. So that's the other thing, too. Don't knock something until you try it. Sure. You don't know what you're going to like. And the other thing with this business, I feel that broadcasting basketball makes me a better baseball broadcaster. I Absolutely, think yep. anchoring sports makes me a better play-by-play guy. I mm-hmm. think doing sideline makes me a better play-by-play guy. Okay. And doing play-by-play makes me better at those other things, too. So All I, right. I try to keep myself available. I try to keep myself involved with everything I can. Um, I also need to do it just for the money. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm not saying no to things. Uh, more importantly, because I just need the money. Um, <laughs> I get that. That's why I'm out of baseball now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Uh, again, luckily, I'm, I'm to the stage now where everything I'm doing is in the broadcasting role. Um, but I really am enjoying it. I like being versatile. And the other thing is because you don't know what way the business is going to go. I'm mm-hmm. a big fan in, in play-by-play because I think that's something that will never die. Right. But it's definitely taken their hits. I mean, just today, the Oakland Athletics announced that they're not having radio in the Bay Area. There will be mm-hmm. you know, neighboring networks with the, st- with the team on the station, but there is no flagship affiliate main source of baseball on the radio for the Oakland Athletics. And that's... That's it's a crazy concept. It is. And a lot of people in the baseball and Twitter world are saying, oh, it's, they're not going to be the first team to do this. Or I'm sorry, they're not going to be the last team to do this. I, I still think we're a ways away from no baseball on the radio at all. Right. Even though people are listening to their phones all the time. I, I mean, I love listening to the MLB at that app because yeah. the quality mm-hmm. and the fact that you get to jump around game to game. Yep. And I just still think that baseball, audio only baseball, has a, a purpose in this world. So I think we're a ways away from it eliminating completely. But, I mean... The Oakland A's probably don't have a pre and post guy now, and they True. they don't have anybody producing the games back at their station right. anymore. So I mean, those those are jobs that are being lost, and that's a way our industry is kind of shifting. So that's why I think it's important to stay versatile. And even though you don't want to be a play by play guy, do it so you know you can, and so you can provide it if the station or the company needs it. Same thing with talk show, same thing with right. anchoring, same thing with reporting, and same thing with writing. Right. I uh, I. I had a chance to do play-by-play for about three games in Beloit, and it did not go extremely well. So I gave up on that. Um, I I went back to reading a script over the microphone. Um, well, it's also very difficult to jump into play-by-play for sure. three games, especially when it's baseball. Right. So that's, that's a very difficult task. Yeah, um, but I do appreciate the art of play-by-play, um, even now, um, before I got out of baseball, but I'll do it, I'll do it now, too. Um, I turn on the games on the road, on my phone, and I'll listen to them when I'm on the treadmill at the gym, or, you know, just because I appreciate the craft of everything that goes into it, and it's entertaining to me. Um, 
but I and I lobbied really hard for Beloit to carry more games every year that I was there. Um, and there's only there was really only so much I could do, but I I definitely appreciate the craft of play-by-play and everything that goes into it. And you're definitely one of the more talented ones that I've had the opportunity of listening to and working with. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And I've always found it interesting because you, and I'm trying to think of, maybe it's just the other people that have held the Beloit roles, but it's so unique because you're the media guy, but you're not on the road with the team. Mm-hmm. And you're the one that has to report about the team when they're on the road. So right. you are listening to basically all of us, yep. whether you want to or not. <laughs> um, I always found that very interesting. Like, oh, yeah, someone is listening, and they're listening every game when Beloit's playing. Right. When, always, yeah. yeah. Uh, very appreciative of your guys' hard work to do that, too, because a lot of us listen to the game because we like to. But there's a whole different animal when you have to listen to the entire game day after day. Yeah, when so when I was in Beloit, like you said, I didn't travel with the team at all. And so I would listen to your broadcast and the other broadcasts in the league um, where we played at. And I would, I would just be sitting there playing video games in my apartment, like playing NBA 2K or something like that, and I'd be listening to the game, and then yeah, when... Like s- a multitasker, playing, playing 2K. Yeah, and then, and then when something would happen, like the score would change or something like that, I would pick up my phone, I'd pause the game, tweet about it from the, from the yeah. Beloit account, and go about my business after that. That's, that's called working smart, not working hard. <laughs> exactly. That's that's the name of the game when you're in Beloit because you you have to multitask a lot. Very true. Um, what is your favorite concessions item in the Midwest League? I mean, did you just ask this because you know the answer? No, I don't actually. The Snappy Burger. I'm pretty <laughs> sure you introduced it to me. Yes. I, I will die on that hill that the Snappy Burger, okay, Snappy Burger is the best burger in the Midwest League. I will I will go to the grave with that. I appreciate that. that... Well, okay, let's explain to the people that don't know. Yep. Snappy Burger is a perfectly cooked cheeseburger with all its char on, on the edge, very crisp and juicy inside. Then they slice a bratwurst in half, long ways, and put it on top of the burger. So it kind of looks like a turtle, mm-hmm. but it is one of the most fantastic things and was it you that told me it was Paul Molitor that invented it? I think it was, actually. I think I yes. did tell you that, yeah. So when Paul Molitor was a rover for the Twins, he went to the concession stand and was just like, hey, you know, can you put a bratwurst on my sandwich, on my burger, just cut it in half? And then he would do it so much that they just put it on the menu. And yes, it is my favorite burger in the Midwest League. Beloit isn't known for a lot of things, but... I can't appreciate the Snappy Burger. It, I can't imagine what it'd be like to wash it down with a beer. I, I really can't. Um, it's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was probably one of the best perks about working in Beloit. Is that when I got done um, doing my stuff in the press box, announcing the game and whatnot, um, I would just walk down to the concession stand and pour myself. One, maybe two beers, 
and then go to my office and type up the game recap and put it on the website and social media and all that. Uh, I'd certainly miss that in other uh, other stops that I've made. Again, multitasking king over here, huh? It's the name of the game, man. Um, so on the Pulling Tar podcast, we close out each episode with a different walk-up or warm-up song. Um, just because it adds zest, personalization to each at-bat or appearance on the mound. Um, what has been your favorite walk-up or warm-up song, and whose was it? Oh, okay. So not not what I would want my walk-up song to be. Um, okay. It was... A player on our team by the name of Adam Walton, and I, I know the name of the song is Ghost. You got to give me a minute to look up who sings it. Okay. But it's got this great saxophone. I, I don't mean to be playing songs right now. Uh, it's got this great saxophone beat, and is it Hel- Hels? Yeah, Ghost by Halsey. Okay. Nope, that's not it. Don't nope. don't don't search that. All right. Uh, boy, I can't. I'm pretty sure it's on one of my playlists. Um, but yeah, it's got it's got this great saxophone intro, and uh, our our team and our per, uh, promotions team loved it. And one time, uh, let's see, it was towards the end of the year. We needed a big rally. Adam Walton comes up to the plate. And this song comes on, and our, our on-field MC loved it, too. And he would just go nuts and dance to it when it was going on. And then they had a mound visit or something, and instead of turning off the walk-up song, they just kept it playing. <laughs> and our, our on-field MC is going crazy. The fans are going nuts. And I cannot find it for the life of me. I may have – okay, I know – give me a second. I can go on Twitter really quick because I know I had tweeted about it. Go for it, man. Uh, but yeah, that's that's still my favorite walk-up song because people would tweet at me and at, and to the Cougars about what the walk-up song is. And uh, I, I went to a White Sox game once. Tyler Saladino did it. Here we go. Finally, the song's name is OK, and it's by Thief. And OK has two O's. Okay. Uh, I thought the name of the song was Ghost because they sing about being a selfless ghost or something like that. But yeah, it's. Once, once you hear the beat, you'll know what I'm talking about. It's- All right. I will definitely close out this episode with that song. And I just want to th- say thank you, Joe, for taking the time. I know you're an extremely busy guy. And um, thanks for coming on to the Pulling Tart podcast. And I hope you can be a recurring guest. And, um, yeah, again, thank you so much. Well, thank you very much for having me, Bobby. It was great to reconnect with you. And uh, thank you for having me as the second guest so we can set the bar really low and you can just go up and up and up after this one.